Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. different day. Obviously, we have a different order because there's a lot going on in our church. You might have seen me running around um, because like literally after I preach, um, and, and not that I don't want to see you in the back. I love talking to everybody. You guys can text me, whatever you need to do, but I have to go to the car immediately because we're going to Tampa because we fly to Poland this afternoon. Uh, and so we will be in a city called Gdansk, Poland. It's in the north part of Poland. Um, right on the Baltic Sea, but we're going to be working with pastors and missionaries there to serve refugees from Ukraine. Uh, And so you might have seen like toys being brought in. One of the things that they asked us to do, he said like, hey, what can we bring uh, to help out? And they said, could you just bring matchbox cars? And like toys for kids because we're running out. It's getting really hard to get those. And we've got a lot of kids right now. And so we're going to be doing like kids camps. We're going to be cooking food. Uh, And, you know, I I tell everyone like in part of the biggest thing that we're going to be doing is just hearing people's stories. You know, I think that's one of the best ways we can serve people is just to be there and sit down and have a meal with them and hear about what happened. You know, because I don't know about you, if you've experienced trauma in your life or, or experiences that really have shaped you. You just got to be able to talk about it, you know, and, and even in the same way, like kids are kids no matter what's going on in the world. And so these parents, could you imagine you aren't home? You don't know if your home is still there. Maybe family members have passed away and you've had to flee your homeland and you are in a foreign land in a foreign place where they don't necessarily speak your language and you've got kids and you got to figure all this out. And so we just want to step in the gap for these parents and for these missionaries and for these workers. And we're not the heroes. We don't believe at all. Like we're showing up and it's, the situation's going to get better just because America arrived. We're really there to just hold up those people who are going to be serving. You know, we leave uh, next Sunday. There'll be a special message that I'm going to give from Poland um, that you guys will be able to see some of the work that we're doing and, and talk about why we go and what we're doing. But um, you know, when we leave on Sunday, all those volunteers wake up Monday and do the same thing. And so our hope and our prayer is that we can pour into them as they pour into these refugees. But above all else, not only would we help meet the physical needs of people, but we would also speak to the spiritual need that they have with Jesus Christ. And so would you just be praying for our team? We have about 13 people going total, um, and we're excited for it, uh, but a little bit apprehensive. You know, not many of us have walked into like a war environment, and that's where we're going to be heading. We won't be near Ukraine or the border or anything like that, but we're going to be seeing kind of first, first line wavelength of, of what war can do. And so be praying for us um, as, we, as we go. Um, and so today, as we get ready to begin, I have a question. Have you ever felt the need to fit in? 
Like just in life in general, have you ever felt like maybe you had to change something about who you were, how you dressed, how you behaved, maybe even how you spoke in order to fit in in a certain culture or group of people? I mean, I know that I have. I know that I have felt like I had to change some things about me and, and who I was in order to fit in with a group of people that was around me. Maybe you, you felt that way in high school. Like I know in high school I was a chameleon. My identity of like what I was into changed constantly. Like one weekend I was a cowboy, the next week I was emo, you know, and I was just crying. And then the, the next week I was thug, you know, I was just living this life. And so I was just trying to find where I was supposed to fit in. And so I would change all these things about me. And you know what I found, and maybe you found this too, is that that's exhausting. Like if you're not really able to be who you are and walk into an environment and be who you are, that's exhausting. And let me just tell you, that's not any different than you walking into church. Some of us feel that pressure of like when we walk into church or we walk into these environments that we got to kind of put on a show. Like, we got to, like, not say certain things. We can't talk about certain things. We got to dress a certain way. You know, I have so many people that call me or when I meet them out in public, they're like, oh, you're a pastor. Well, what do I wear to church? I said, as long as you've got clothing on, we're good. Like, it's just, you got some clothes? That's great. We're, we're in. <clears throat> and so what happens is it's like we've created these artificial environments where people can't be who they really are, so they really never fit in and they never have community because they're putting on a show and they get exhausted and then they leave. And so let me just ask you again, have you ever felt like you had to change something about yourself to fit in? <clears throat> Today, in the book of Romans chapter 10, we're going to take a look at how with Jesus, there's nothing that you need to do to fit in with him. Like with Jesus, there's nothing that needs to change about who you are in order to fit in and come to Jesus. But I think the church in kind of some of the rules that we write, in the cultures that we build, in the things that we do to people, not that they're necessarily wrong, but that we create cultures where people can't actually be who they are, and so they feel like they can't go to God. And so maybe today that is something that you need to consider. Maybe like it was hard to even come in here this morning because you just felt like, man, I just got to put on a show. Like my life's a mess, but I got to smile at the greeter at the door. I got to say hey to the people making the coffee. I got to raise my hands in worship when I can barely hold them up. I'm exhausted. I just need to be a place that I can be who I am right now. I remember I was about nine years old. This was a couple, well, now more than a couple years ago, but, uh, I was nine years old, and I had these two older cousins, uh, and they were like kind of mid-teens, like 15, 16, 17, right? And if any of you have been around teenage boys, they know how to eat, right? Like teenage boys, it's like endless. It's like all they do is eat and eat and eat. And I remember being at like family dinners where they were there, and I was nine, and they're 15, four, whatever, whatever age they were. And I remember <clears throat> everybody in the family always remarking on how like, man, you guys eat so much. Like, man, you guys like, you guys like, it's incredible. Look how big you're getting. Look how tall they're getting. Both my cousins, I'm like six foot. They're like six, five. All right. And I just remember like being a nine-year-old kid and going, uh, here are my two older male cousins. And I'm seeing all this praise and I'm seeing all of these things being pushed on them. And so I need to change who I am so that I get that too. So at nine years old, I started eating like a 15-year-old. 
And my body was not ready to handle that, but I thought I had to change some actions about who I was in order to fit into this culture. And so I began to overeat every single meal. And what would happen is I would actually eat till I was sick. Like I would get sick. And there were times like that we would be at a family dinner and I would eat so much because I wanted people to say like, oh, Blake, look at like, man, what a strong young man. Like, oh, here you are. You're doing all these things. Like, oh, and get, get this praise. So I fit into this culture and I would have to leave the table and go outside because the sight of food and the smell of it made me sick. Now, I know that that's like something that you, you think about, but, and you look and you go, I've never experienced that. But maybe you've done that with the color of your hair, the clothes that you wear, the music that you listen to, like all of these things. And I wonder for us if we've built idols around certain people in our churches and that everybody else feels like I got to be like them instead of they got to be like Jesus. Like, and you feel like when it comes to God, like you've got to fit in. And what Romans chapter 10 is going to show us is there's nothing that you need to do to fit in with Jesus. There's nothing that you need to do to change about yourself to meet Jesus. Now, let me just clarify this. That doesn't mean that when you meet Jesus, Jesus doesn't transform you. But it's a different model and a way of approaching it. Some of us are trying to modify our behavior to fit in rather than we already fit in and we become who we really are. And so today, my hope and my prayer is that you get some freedom today. That like here at Bedrock, here in this moment, here at this church, like you felt like when you came in, oh man, I was welcomed. I felt comfortable in the clothes that I'm wearing. I felt comfortable in who I am and I can actually listen to the message and, and listen to the worship instead of always putting on a performance to behave and act a certain way and it's exhausting and I get nothing out of this. And so Paul is going to deal with this and what Paul begins to do is, if you remember from last week, we talked about the, this fact of Israel had all of this privilege Israel was this nation that God had lifted up. He had chosen them as a nation. And we talked about it last week in chapter 9. There's nine privileges that came for Israel. They received the law. They had the covenants. They have this incredible heritage. They have all of these things. But Romans begins to talk about the fact that Israel, in spite of all the privilege that they had, began to get to preference. And they started adding rules to what it meant to be a believer at the time that weren't in the Bible. And just because you love the Bible doesn't mean you can keep writing. There's not a section at the back for you to start writing your own rules. Mine ends with a map, right? And so what happens is, is when you get to a place of privilege, you begin to take preference and put it over what Jesus and God should really be. And so what Paul's going to do is he's going to continue in that thought and say this, we don't get to add the rules we don't get to add more to this because anybody can come and anybody can believe in Jesus, but we also don't have to make people fit into certain boxes to make sure that they're holy, good, and righteous. That's what Paul's going to say to us today, that there's nothing that you need to do. You don't have to fit in. You can be weird and peculiar. I mean, think of some of the disciples. They're all fishermen. They're not religious people. They didn't fit into that culture. It's a little like awkward. Like some of the questions that they ask, you're like, where are you? Like, what's going on? Do you get what's happening here? You're not fitting in. I mean, even who God chose and Jesus chose to walk with him were people who didn't fit into the culture norm of the time of what religious people look like. I mean, he's telling us something. 
He, he's telling us this message of, of, hey, there's nothing that you need to change about you to come to me. I take you just right where you are, but I'm going to take you to a place you've never been. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 5, here's what Paul begins to say. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. What does he mean? He says, hey, there's this incredible thing called the Ten Commandments that came to us. And Moses writes about the fact that not only were there Ten Commandments, you know that in ancient Judaism, there's 631 laws. 631 laws. I don't even think I could memorize 631 things. And this is the law that they had to live by. It goes from freedom to oppression real quick. And that's exactly what happens to us when we try to make people fit into a box. It becomes oppressive. You got to dress this way. You got to talk this way. You got to listen to this kind of music. You got to drive that kind of car. You got to give this much. You got to do this. You got to do that. And it becomes a jail. And it's not what Jesus built. So Paul says, look, this is what Moses talks about, that you shall live by the law. But here's what is so crazy about that. God knew immediately in history that Israel wasn't going to be able to keep the rules. So what does he create? A sacrificial system. Immediately. He says, here's the laws. And as soon as Moses comes down with the tablets, they're already breaking the first two commandments. They're idol worshiping and it's getting weird and freaky. And Moses is like, we just got this. It's still smoking. Like it's hot off the press. Guys, we got a problem. And God goes, I know. So I'm going to create for you a system. A system where you can atone for your sin. That the blood shed for something, a perfect spotless lamb, will be shed and it will cover your sins. And then there's a scapegoat and the sins of the nation are placed on that and it's cast out. All of that was a picture for who Jesus was. Jesus is what? The perfect spotless lamb. Because God always knew we couldn't keep this perfect law. And so he always was setting up for us a way that I'm going to do the work and you're simply going to need to believe. And so what happens is, is he says this, but Paul's going to contrast this idea. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. These are some of the most famous verses coming up right now in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Because, he says, why? We don't have all these rules and these things that we have to do, right? Because he, Paul's going to say this. It's super simple how this works. Verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That language right there is convincing. It's not like you might be saved, you could be saved. It's not like, well, you start with Jesus and then you start adding all these things. Jesus plus anything is idolatry. Jesus plus nothing is God. You understand? I'm, let me say that again. Jesus plus anything is idolatry. Jesus plus nothing is God. The moment you start taking a foundation of Jesus and adding things to it, it's no longer who he is. We don't need to keep piling up. So all the rules, all the boxes, all the check marks, all these things that we tell people you need to do to fit in are wrong. And we're actually causing people to worship an idol and not Jesus. 
right? Because some of us can't like, because we had drums or a piano or because we were wearing jeans and not dresses or whatever. I can't worship in here because of that. Sounds like you got an idol problem. And so what happens here is Paul is going to go, look, it's so simple. If we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is God, we will be saved. It's convincing. He says this, for with the heart one believes. That's your desire, right? And we are justified. For in our heart we are justified. And with the mouth we confess and we are saved, right? And, and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Say everyone. everyone. Say everyone. everyone. Does that sound like everyone? This isn't a secret Greek word that means just a few. This doesn't mean the special people who got the special slacks on. This doesn't mean the people who listen to the right music or eat the right food. It means in the Greek, everyone. Everyone. All inclusive. Right? This is what exactly what it means. And so he says, for everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is what? No distinction between Jews and Greeks. We hear it like this, Gentiles or pagans. Here's what that means. The Jewish people and everybody else. And here's what Paul says. There's no distinction anymore. There's no difference. When it comes to salvation, not just some of the promises, I believe Israel still is going to receive some promises that God has made to the nation of Israel. But when we talk about God's people and those who are saved, there's no distinction anymore. It's not like we're going to get to heaven and people of Jewish heritage, which I'm part of, are going to have a special patch or a special tattoo or we're going to wear a special jumpsuit. Right? Like, oh, you guys are purple. You came from Israel. You're different. Not at all. There's going to be no distinction between us. Why? For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For, there's that word, everyone who calls on his name, uh, on the name of the Lord, will be saved. So here's what Paul's going to say. Here's what's going on in the text. Because we got to preference, because we got to making people fit into certain categories, we go to a works-based faith or works-based salvation and not a faith-based salvation. You notice how many times Paul used the word all, everyone, no distinction, everyone's the same in just these few verses. Paul makes so clear that there is nothing that changes these things. See, many of us struggle with this idea that we must do certain things in order to fit in with God. Like we got to do all of these things and we, we make this arbitrary checklist and boxes and say, that's what I need in order to fit in with God rather than I fit in with God and now I do these things. Let me give an example. Before I was married, my bed was never made. I didn't, start ma <laughs> I didn't start making my bed to fit in with Kelsey. We weren't in the same bed. So my bed was a mess. But... When I got married, now the bed's made. Why? Because I already fit in. I'm not changing my behavior. Kelsey didn't say, you start making your bed or we're not getting married. This thing's a mess and I'm sick of it. She never said that. She never said, if you want to get married to me, you need to fit in. But when I got married, 
I fit in. Why? Because who I was changed. And because of who I was and my honor and my love for my wife, I do things that I didn't do before. In the same way, some of us think we need to get all the behavior right in order to fit in with God. And then God says, hey, welcome to the house. I'm glad you're here. I see you finally made your bed. No, God says, come on in. Come on into the house. Hey, this is how the house runs. You're part of the family now. This is how we operate as a family. And so this isn't like the Wild West. It's not like you become a Christian and you still just do whatever you want. No, why? Because your heart changes, right? Because it's with our heart we believe. And that's where our desire comes from. I hope this is clicking and the dots are connecting. Okay? And so what happens here is we, we get these two systems. And a lot of us are operating on a system of conditional love with God. And let me just tell you. It's not only that your, God's love towards you is conditional. For a lot of us, our love towards God is conditional. We, we don't live in a covenant-based system of it's not what you do or don't do. It's because I've chosen to love you. We live in a contract situation. And we say, anyone ever prayed and said, hey, God, please do this, do this thing? Maybe this is your first time back in church in a long time because you wanted God to do something and he didn't do it, so your love left him. My love's conditional on what you can do for me. Or that you believe that God says, you better not misbehave, because if you misbehave, I'm gone. This is what a workspace salvation looks like. You don't want a workspace salvation, because you always got to work to keep it up. Right? Like, if it's work, anyone in here get paid? You work at a job? Don't you have to keep working to keep getting paid? Some of y'all are like, I'm on that residual income, right? Like I'm on that, right? Okay, that's great. But you had to work to get there, right? And someone's working for you to get paid. That's what a lot of us feel like it is to fit in with God. We just got to keep up this act. It's unconditional love. He has set his favor upon us. And it's not about what we do or don't do because it's all about what Jesus did. And so let me ask you, like right now, where are you in this system? Is your love or do you feel like God's love towards you is conditional? And I'll tell you, the way you behave and the things that you do will tell me what system you're living in. Work or faith. Because here's the reality. A work system, a work system is a system in which we write rules of things that we must do in order to earn love. So a works-based system is absent of love because love is the goal. So I'm going to work, 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 work to earn love. Love is at the end of the system. And then if you mess up, if you don't do it right, if something doesn't go well, you say a curse word under your breath because someone flicked you off while you were driving. You're like, oh man, I'm back to step four, right? I gotta, now I got to work. I got to catch up. And, 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 and your relationship with God is not one of peace and joy. It's of work and desperation. And so what happens is, is love is the end goal, but there's no love in the process. It's just like money. Money's the end goal, but you got to do the work absent of money, and then you get it at the end. And that's how a lot of us treat our relationship with God, because we feel like we got to fit in. And so we work, 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 and we hope that God loves us at the end. What a terrible system. That's exactly what happened with me. I thought that if I worked, 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 and ate, 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 ate all this food, that at the end I would get acceptance. That I would fit in. That I would be part of this process. That, that, but I, let me just tell you, it wasn't heaven in the process. It was hell. 
Eating food till you're sick, till you're throwing up at night, till you, you can't look at food, you're getting fat and you already feel bad about that. You know why? Because my body wasn't ready for that yet. I was putting in a process that I wasn't ready to fit in with yet. And so what happens is, is that's exactly what a work-based system does. It doesn't bring life, it brings death. That's why you retire eventually. Because you don't need to work to death. There's a point where you've worked and you've done it and you, you now, because you've invested and you've saved and you've, you've done all of these things and you haven't overspent, you're able to enjoy life based upon the work that you did. Some young people in here want to enjoy the good life without the work. You're coming at the system backwards. You're like, well, my dad doesn't work now. That's because your dad worked for 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. This is part of the process, people. I just, and listen, I'm just going to tell everybody this. I don't know anybody that I've met in this world that hasn't been successful in this world that hasn't worked hard. You want to know how to be successful? You want to know how to do well in this life? Go to work. That's all that I know. Save your money, spend less than you make, and things should work out at the end. The math is good. But a believing system is a love-based system. It starts with love. Because you love me, because of all of these things that have happened to me, I don't need to do anything to fit in. But because I love you so much, I'm going to like, and because you've transformed my heart, some things that I do are now going to change. Because like some of you reading your Bible is a lot of work instead of a lot of love. Praying is a lot of work instead of a lot of love. And so here's what happens is Paul says, look, because here's the reality. You don't earn your way towards heaven. You are brought in by faith. Right? And this is exactly what happens here in these first couple verses. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In order to fit in, there's nothing that you need to do to change about yourself. You just receive what God has done. Here's what I mean by that. Let me give you an example. If you were drowning in an ocean and you didn't have a flare, you didn't have a cell phone, and a rescue ship came to you and threw you the buoy. You don't do any work. All you do is receive the gift. You grabbing onto the buoy is not work. It's receiving. That's exactly what salvation is. You are drowning in a sea of sin and guilt and shame and fear and anxiety and worry. And God comes in to the moment through Jesus Christ. And he says, here you go. And all you have to do is believe and receive the gift that God has. Because there's nothing that you need to do to fit in. Jesus isn't yelling from the boat. Hey, I can't see you under that water. What kind of clothes do you wear? Hey, I see that you're drowning. What kind of music do you listen to? And you're like, I can't. And he's like, I can't hear you. Tread water a little bit more. Work a little harder for a minute. I want to make sure I want to bring you in. Hey, can you just tell me the worst things that you've done? Because I need to decide if I should throw you the buoy or let you drown. That's not the way it works with God. Jesus shows up and goes, here's the buoy. And I know everything. And I know the clothes you wear. And I know the music you listen to. And I know the worst things that you've done. And I know the best things that you've done. And I've offered the buoy to everybody. Because it's not conditional love. It's the love of a creator. And so let me ask you right now, how are you approaching your relationship with God? Are you trying to earn his love or are you receiving it? 
There's a lot of jail. There's a lot of like oppression. There's a lot of boxing in. There's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of judgment. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety on the work side. There's a lot of peace, a lot of love, a lot of joy, a lot of hope on the belief side. And when you approach God from the belief side, you're never going to cause other people that walk into this church or any other church to work their way in. So if Bedrock ever becomes a place where we have uniforms, where we have certain cultures that you have to do, you have to have this many tattoos. I have two, so I might be getting third soon. But here's the deal. Like, if you don't got tattoos, you're not welcome here. That's opposite of what we've heard for a long time, isn't it? It used to be like, you got tattoos, get out of here, heathen, right? And it's like, well, Jesus has a tattoo on his thigh when he shows up in Revelation. I don't know if you'd let him in your church. Anyway, but that's a different message in a different time. But here's the deal. (laughs) What happens is, as Paul says, when we've received Jesus through faith, something changes in us. Because we don't have to fit in. See, some of us are not participating in the mission of God because we don't necessarily feel like we fit into the family yet. And when we don't feel like we fit into the family yet, we'll hold ourselves back from doing what God's called us to do. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14. He says, look, anyone who calls in the name of Jesus, everybody will be saved. And then he says, this is what happens to you when you believe in Jesus. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him who they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. Here's what Paul says. When Jesus changes you and you You didn't have to change who you are to fit in, but Jesus is transforming you because you believed and have been brought in. You start telling the good news. You start doing things, not because you have to, but because you get to, because you've actually experienced transformation. See, some of us in this room, like, I'm not going to share the gospel. I'm not going to tell people about Jesus. I'm not going to do this. Why? Because you've been trying to fit in, and you're not there yet necessarily. Instead of like, he's already transformed me, it's the only thing I can talk about. I mean, anybody in here ever gone to the gym and gotten transformed? Anyone ever gone on a diet and been transformed? Anyone ever gotten like a certain, some of you are like, I got the Disney Plus app and my life was transformed, right? Like, you know, I got all the Marvel movies right in front of me, right? My life has changed. And what do you tell? You become an evangelist of whatever transformed you, right? Right? I went to this gym, it changed me. You gotta join. By the way, give him my name so that I get a free month, right? Like that's what you do. Hey, have you tried this new diet, the Mediterranean diet? It's transformed me. You gotta get on it. Why? Because you feel like you fit in. So you'll tell people about it. Not many of us start the first day of our diet and go, you guys gotta get in on this. Why? Because it hasn't happened yet. But that's an opposite system. You gotta work to get to the end. A faith-based system is you belong from the beginning and love is the process and you tell the whole world about it. So Paul is going to do some things that are really important, but here's what happens. What we do is determined by what we believe. That's what Paul says. What we do in this life is determined by what we believe. So if you don't feel like you fit in, if you don't feel like you're good enough, if you don't feel like the church accepts you enough, if you don't do these things, you're not going to jump in. You're not going to get into the mission of God. You're not going to be part of the process of these things. But if you do believe that you've been accepted just as you are, and Jesus met you right where you're at, 
you're in. You're part of this team now. You're part of this family because you were brought in. And there's nothing that you had to change about you to get in. This is exactly what happened to me. Like as I got older and I got into the process and I, and I let myself be exactly who I was when I was 15 year olds old, I could eat like a 15 year old without any of the consequences, right? I wasn't sick. I wasn't, I wasn't like, like smelling food and getting sick. I, wasn't, I was losing weight. I wasn't gaining weight. My body was changing because my body was in the process of where it belonged. And when I was where I belonged, I was able to walk in everything that that had for me. And it wasn't miserable. But I didn't like have to just tell my stomach to grow. My body just went to where it was going to go because it was transformed. In the same way, our heart can be transformed when we believe. And so let me ask you a question. I told you, I can tell what you believe by what you do. Are you telling the world about him? Listen, when you've been accepted by Christ for exactly who you are, why are we so worried about being rejected by a world that doesn't know us? You're trading things that don't match up. You have the creator of the universe who loves you exactly as you are, but the world is going to tell you, this is who you need to be before I listen to you. And it's getting crazy. I mean, we have points where like, it's not just Democrat and Republican. It's like how far on the right and how far on the left are you? Because if you're not that far, you're not part of my team. I mean, that's exactly what the world wants to do to us, right? They want to divide us, not unite us. And the world says, you've got to believe and say and do these things in order to fit in. And if you don't do them, you're not part of this team. You're not part of my team. And there is no place for diversity in the world system. Although the world talks about it all the time. It's, it's not true. Just look at it. And I think that's why so many of us maybe approach God this way, because you've been conditioned in a world of sin and judgment to believe that that's how God approaches you. And there's no freedom. And so let me just ask you, are you trying to fit in, or are you just being who God called you to be? Like when we go to Poland, listen, guys, like we're going to give away kids toys. We're going to serve food. We're going to help with medical stuff. We're going to hear people's stories. There's nothing about that that's Christian. There, anybody in the world could do that. Anybody in the world can literally show up and give these kids toys. You don't have to be Christian to do that, right? Anybody in the world can go and make food for these people, anybody. But only Christians can tell them about who loves their soul. And so if we go, and because we're worried about fitting in, and we're worried about all of these things, and, and we're just oh so afraid because there's people whose souls are suffering because everything in the world has been stripped away from them, if we don't tell them about who Jesus Christ is and that if they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Christ is Lord, they will be saved, then we shouldn't go. We should just send somebody else with more money because they can do the job that we're gonna do. So what you believe determines what you do. And then as we get ready to end with this, Romans chapter, uh, chapter 10, verses 16 to 21, listen to what the Bible says. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. This is talking about Israel. They have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has delivered what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have, for their voice has gone out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Verse 19, but I ask, did Israel not understand? says, first, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. He says this, 
The gospel's opening up to the Gentiles. And you're going to be upset about it. And we see that in the book of Romans because they're like, well, we're God's special people. Yeah, but you didn't behave like God's special people because you made all these rules on top of God that people needed to do to fit in. And because they never felt like they fit in, everyone stopped telling the world about God. So it's moving on. And you can still tell the world about who God is, but it's going to everybody. It's not that, that the Jewish people were meant to represent God to that world. That's exactly what it was. It's exactly what the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to tell and represent who Jesus is, how he's transformed our lives, and tell the world about that. And so what happens here is Isaiah then gets in and he says this, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. Whew. That's hard to hear a little bit, right? And some of us have believed that lie. Like we can't get in the game. We can't be part of the church. We can't serve because we don't fit in. I don't know what rules you think like you need to fit in here. Just be who you are. That's it. I hear it from me. You just need to be who you are. We have all kinds of different people here from all different backgrounds, from all different parts of life, and we want it to get more like that because we want this church to look a little bit more like heaven. You may have heard that we're going to be launching Spanish ministry. I was just talking today because we had a, um, an event right before Easter where we had 700 people show up on our campus for an event, and half of them spoke Spanish. And I said, oh, God, you're doing something incredible. We need to get Spanish ministry here. So we've now found a free app called Interactio, which anybody that can come into our church can download for free. They can use their own headphones. And we have a lady in our church who owns a translation business where she does it for judges and courts and actually United Nations. And we're buying a piece of equipment. And anybody who speaks Spanish in here will now be able to listen to our sermon live translated in Spanish for free. Why? You don't need to speak English to fit in here. And I'm not going to let that be a barrier either. And so what you will begin to see, and you're like, oh, I don't know about this. Half of the words will be in English. Half of the words will be in Spanish. So Sunday morning is going to look a little bit like that. Why? Because whosoever and everyone and all are welcome at the house of God. And I'm not going to let a language get in the way. And so we're going to make steps and process an investment as a church. So no smoke machine, guys, but we're going to get a translation machine. All right? Why? Because there's 60% of that neighborhood just north of us called Kensington Park speaks Spanish. And God has placed us right here at a time such as this. And he showed us the need and we're going to respond. That's the kind of church we want to be. Because here's the deal. This is the last point. Fitting in is a game. Being brought in is who you are. See, what happens here, what Paul says is this. There's a lot of us who have been playing church for a really long time. Like we have made our life, we've made this moment about fitting in, and so we play church. And so some of you know how to speak Christianese when you come in here. How are you today? Blessed beyond measure, brother. Oh, what is the, I don't even know what that means, but it means something. It sounds good. Right? I mean, that's the other thing. How are you today? Better than I deserve, brother. Better than I deserve. 
And meanwhile, you were screaming at your wife in the car, screaming at your kids in the car. And I'm like, how are you? And she's like, better than I deserve, right? And you're like, okay, can we just like get to the point where we're just real? And that it's okay that we're not perfect people and we don't have to fit into these boxes. And here's the reality. God accepts you just as you are, but he'll take you somewhere else. Can we not like be a church that plays church? Can we be a church that is the church? Can we have a greater vision for the world, a greater vision for this ministry, a greater vision for what we need to do? Like, guys, this isn't the end goal. We're going to be planting other churches. And I challenged our team that in the next two years, we'll be planting another church. Why? It's not about fitting in here. It's about going out there and telling everybody in the world about who Jesus is and what he does. And I don't speak Polish. I don't speak Ukrainian. And I don't speak Russian. But I don't fit in there. But I'm going. Because the Holy Spirit fits in there and he will do the work. And I fully believe that. And so let me ask you something. This is what it's like. This is what playing church is like. It's like when you're not married and you play like you're married. See, because it's not actually who you are yet. You're not one yet. And, and this is why pastors, we're not just like we want to be your killjoy and make you wait and do all of these things because we, that's what we had to do. It's because God has a purpose and a plan. And the reason he says there's some things you don't bring into your life until you're married is because when you bring them in too early, it's all work. It's all work. Every single part of that relationship, because you're not actually one, you haven't actually been transformed, you haven't been united with one another, then you're doing all of these things that come into the covenant of marriage, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you're doing it in your flesh and it's all work. And so what do you do? You get used to that work. And then when things are actually the way that they should be, you bring all that work in and you take all that life away from your relationship. That's exactly what happens. When you play house before you're in the house, you can bring detriment into the relationship. Why? Because it was works-based and now you're bringing that into your love-based relationship. Remember I told you about Kelsey and I? I didn't make my bed. But then when I got married and things transformed and I got changed and God united, I make the bed. Or Kelsey makes the bed, right? But here's the deal. If I did that before I was married, then you know what making the bed would become for me? resentment and work and what should have been on the basis of love was on the basis of work and now it's poison the well so here's the deal if you've believed in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior there's nothing you did to earn it and there's nothing you need to do to preserve it he does the work and you can now live in freedom and respond to God out of love and not out of work there's nothing that you need to do to fit in with God See, because fitting in is all about changing your behavior and who you are before you belong. Being brought in is being accepted for exactly who you are. And then God changes you. And that's exactly what it means to be adopted. And we are referred to as those who have been adopted by Christ, by his love and his blood. And there's nothing you needed to change about who you were in order to fit in with Jesus. John has two adopted girls. John, did you make the girls change who they were so they could fit into your family? Or you took them in and brought them into your family and now they're fitting in because they actually belong? Why would we do that to ourselves in our relationship with God? See, because here's the deal. Because we can't see the heart, we're only worried about behavior. 
That's wrong. Jesus isn't necessarily worried about your behavior. He's worried about your heart. And if our heart is transformed, the behavior will follow because your desires change. And so wherever you are in this moment, you're invited right now to the family of God. There's not a thing you have to change about who you are right now to be introduced to Jesus today. And so just with every head bowed and eyes closed for just a second, I want to allow us to respond to the word of God in this. Maybe you just thought forever that there's things that you had to change about who you were in order to fit in with Jesus. And Jesus is telling a different story. He came to us when we didn't fit in to heaven. He came to us when we weren't okay and all of the things weren't okay. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that whosoever would believe and confess with their mouth and believe in their heart will be saved. So if you're in this room and for the very first time in your life, you just need to say yes to Jesus. There's not a thing that you need to change. God loves you just as you are right now. And just for the first time, you need to receive that gift of salvation. Would you just raise your hand? Online, would you let us know? Tell us what's going on in your life. But if you're in this room, and maybe you've been dealing, you've been accepted by Jesus through love, but you've been trying to work out your salvation in a way that you're earning all of it and not responding to what God has already done. And your faith has become a lot of work and you're tired and you're exhausted and you're sick of playing church and you're sick of playing house and you're about to quit or you just, you're just exhausted and, and, and the love of your relationship with God is left and you just need a renewal. Would you just raise your hand? I've just been coming at this the wrong way. This has all been work for me. There's hands all over the room. He has not left you, and his love is not conditional towards you. Whether you haven't believed or whether you have, there's not condition on God's love. He chose to set it upon us. So church, today I hope that you find freedom. You don't need to fit in. You just need to be who you are. And we've been, when we have been transformed by Christ, doing godly things is exactly who we are. Let us not forget and let the enemy steal the joy of our salvation by making it work. But may it all be about relationship. Thank you for jumping into today's message. And we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you. And please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.